Have you launched a podcast and you're struggling to get more downloads and subscribers? Are you frustrated with all the content that you're making and you just wish that more people would listen? If so, you're in the right place because today we're going to talk about why your podcast isn't growing. If we haven't met before, hello, my name is Alina Bond. I'm a content marketer and creator of Effortless Engine. We help authors and speakers to build online authority. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, Matt Johnson. Matt Johnson is a podcast agency owner and also the author of Microfamous. Microfamous teaches consultants how to become famously influential to the right people. So Matt, thank you so much for joining the show. Can you please take a moment to introduce yourself? Absolutely. So I uh, started an agency a few years ago based on my own podcasting experience. I started a, a podcast in the real estate space that ended up taking off and doing really well. Um, but what I learned uh, over the course of launching a couple more shows in that space is the shows that had a smaller kind of niche audience actually were a lot easier to monetize and the coaching consulting businesses that I was partners with behind all those shows gave me an inside peek at just how to actually make podcasting work for business. So I ended up transitioning. I gave up, you know, I was in like four different businesses and consulting projects and things like that. I gave up all of that, went all in on producing podcasts for coaches, consultants, and thought leaders. Uh, I run that business in about four hours a week. It's very systematized because we sell one thing to one kind of person. Uh, which gives me a great lifestyle out here in, uh, in San Diego. And it lets me work with people that are amazing and have amazing, awesome content that needs to get out to the world that could change people's lives. But right now they're sitting on the sidelines and it's all trapped in their head, which I know you do something very, very similar for a different set of people uh, because we both want amazing content to get out in the world and change people's lives. Mm -hmm, exactly. Well, thank you again, Matt, for being on the show. I know your time is very valuable, but you were just the perfect person who I could think of to talk about this topic because uh, just so that you know, my clients are, you know, authors and speakers. They, they know that people are podcasting. They feel like they should have one and they're excited to do it. But I feel like when we start talking about strategy and how to grow it, everyone's kind of confused or maybe there's so much information out there that people don't know what to believe. And so that's why everyone, I do have Microfamous here, which as you can see is all marked up. I've got all the um, highlights and everything. And Microfamous, one time that I did read this book um, in two days, I needed a refresher. <laughs> <laughs> that's how good it was. And I remember somebody asked me a question about the strategy and I said, um, hold that thought before I answer this. I'm just gonna do some quick reading. And I said, oh, yes, okay, this is exactly what we're going to go for. So I really recommend that everyone read it. And this is actually what we're going to talk about today, because when I when I launch podcasts, my whole philosophy is that we're going to build an evergreen show. I just mm -hmm. don't think it makes sense to spend so much money creating content that isn't going to serve the business for a long time, because it's really hard and it costs a lot of money and takes a lot of time. And so I just think it's the best resource to do it this way. And if anyone's just, you know, tuning in for the first time, evergreen means content that is timeless. So it's always relevant to your, to your business and to what you're talking about. So all of that being said, Matt, can you briefly say who needs a podcast and why? Let's say anybody with something to sell who is naturally driven to teach, train, and lead. That's who needs a podcast. Mm -hmm. 
If you have no compulsion to teach, train, or lead, that, that makes it difficult to launch a podcast. Like if you're only interested in sales and you're not interested in the teaching, the training, and the leadership part of it, podcasting mm-hmm. will not come naturally to you because you'll be so focused on the end result. You really just want to have conversations with the prospects. That's not what podcasting is. Podcasting is a leadership platform. It's a it's a platform for leadership through thoughts and through content, right? So if you want to teach people, if you really enjoy or you have that drive on the inside where you can't help but teach people, like when people, you're the person that people come to for questions, you're the people uh, that if you're at an industry event, people are coming up to you asking for your advice on how they should run their business, run their career. If you're that kind of person, you're the person that should be starting a podcast. Okay, that makes sense. Well, is podcasting just another marketing fad, something that we're just going to start up and then quit a little bit down the road? No, I, I have no allegiance to podcasting itself. My allegiance is to content. And the podcasting is based on really timeless type of content. But long before podcasting came out, people were releasing these types of conversations on cassettes and CDs you know, so the, these types mm-hmm. of, um, you know, conversations with influencers, uh, interviews with experts, uh, solo episodes, uh, all these things that we see in podcasting today are really reflections and just the latest version of content we've always consumed. You know, if you're in business, you want to know what the most influential, smartest people in your space think about what's going on. And it used to, you used to have to get it through teleseminars. You would dial in. Now they're called podcasts. And so to me, it's uh, podcasting is so way more timeless than jumping on even a platform like Facebook or LinkedIn, as long as they've been in business, mm-hmm. um, podcasting is way more timeless. Right, exactly. And that's why with Effortless Engine, we start with the recording and we turn it into a video and a podcast, and then we break it up for social media mm-hmm. because it's really focused on building those platforms on iTunes and Spotify and just really positioning clients as the thought leader, right? Because exactly as you said, if it's all, if all the information is trapped up in your head, then nobody knows about it unless you're doing one-on-ones with everybody. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to really become known in your industry, podcasting really is effective to do that. So that reminds me, say you're sold on starting a podcast and you're going, you're committed to producing an episode once a week, what is the perfect format for podcasting? Okay. So what we teach our clients is a weekly podcast formula. So that consists of two, what I would call influencer conversations. So you're having a conversation with another fellow influencer in your space. It's not an interview. It's a two-way conversation. We can talk about more about why that is. And then I recommend for the other two episodes every month to do a blend of solo episodes where it's you just speaking to the audience. It doesn't have to be super long. It can be five minutes. It can be 15 minutes. If you like to get on rants, we have clients that do 15 to 20 minute episodes where it's just them and they're awesome. Um, and then we also recommend bringing on clients or people that are in your network to have a more of like a success story or a case study type of conversation. Right. Mm -hmm. So to me that the blend of those three types of episodes and making sure that you're not doing all interviews is really important if you want to sell anything off of the podcast. Uh, Exactly. And I've had experiences with that and exactly what you said will happen happened where if you do interviews so many times, then I feel like the voice of the host gets diluted. So nobody really knows, okay, you're the host, but you're spending all your time asking everyone else questions. What do you kind of know, you know, and what can you do for me? <laughs> I feel like <laughs> so that true. gets lost in the conversation. 
Okay, so say that we we're using the weekly podcast format. So we're producing that every week. How do podcasts actually grow? I know you get into that in your book talking about, you know, you need to have the right strategy, you need to pick the best target market. And say we're doing all of that right, mm -hmm. what else can people do to grow their podcast? Well, Tim Ferriss actually asked that question of his audience a few years ago. And a lot of the comment, the only thing that my agency wasn't doing at the time was uh, highlight clips. So people wanted like a way to share a show with somebody because mo the majority of podcast growth still comes from word of mouth, right? It comes from people talking about your show with other people that they think will enjoy it. But the caveat to that is how do people share it? How do people get other people to listen to your show? And of course, they can tell somebody, go subscribe on Apple Podcasts, but there's a step, how, like how do people get a taste of your show to see if they like it? And so that's what they asked Tim Ferriss for, was like a highlight clip that they could share with people that they thought would be interested in the show, but they needed more of a bite-sized version so they didn't have to get past Tim Ferriss's first eight minutes of advertising to get oh into God, a show. I know. It's, it's, it's insane. Uh, I literally, like I listen to Adam Carolla all the time. I have it, on, it's muscle memory built in to hit play and then skip, 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 skip until I get past I the five know, minutes right? of ads. And it's terrible to say, <laughs> but I'm not interested in their ads. Uh -uh. But... Um, but anyway, the point being, uh, you can do all the things on social media, like both of our agencies, you know, do something similar where we take different chunks and we do quote graphics and images and things like that. And that's all important. Um, but at the end of the day, it's people spreading it for you. Right. And it's giving it's giving your audience a highlight clip that they can share with people. That's more of a bite sized version. And then the second thing is there's enough of an ecosystem out there of other podcasts in your space. Uh, the first thing I recommend people do if they want to grow their podcast is go get interviewed on other podcasts. Mm -hmm. That's where the podcast listenership is going. I noticed that my clients weren't doing it. So I started building like a training course for their assistants to like, hey, just send your assistant through this course. Get, like, get somebody pitching you. Um, and so I, I've made an attempt to solve that problem because it really is, uh, I would say, the number one way to grow a podcast is to go out there, find the other podcast that your ideal audience is listening to and get interviewed on that show. That's a really good point. And actually, Matt, I did buy that course and I used it for one of my clients and it worked. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely got them on a couple of interviews. But I think that's really important too to know for clients who are starting their podcast that you really need to stick to that kind of format with your your episodes because you need to have that space in your content calendar to do that interview with somebody else because that's how you're leveraging their audiences. And so that way you don't, it's kind of like you're asking them for help a little bit, you know, you're going to create one show and if they want to repurpose it for their show, they may go ahead and do so or something like that. But it's basically you're tapping into the same kind of market, the same kind of clientele. But if you're offering different services, then you're only going to help the listener and mm -hmm. each other, right? Yeah, the way that I, I would compare it to is like getting interviewed on a podcast is like a trusted introduction, but at scale, mm. right? It's a scalable introduction. So somebody's literally bringing you to their audience and saying, hey, audience, this is someone I trust and I'm going to interview okay. about them and their expertise. Uh, and so the implication is they, they trust you. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's literally a trusted introduction at scale. It's one of the best ways to meet new people um, in this day and age when 
you know, there's there people are creating all sorts of content now. Now we have enough podcasts and a lot of these little niches that you can do. You know, you can kind of make the rounds. You know, um, there's five, ten, fifteen, twenty podcasts in a lot of these spaces now, and you can get on one every month or every couple months, and you can just kind of be visible in your space. Mm-hmm. And that's that's part of what being micro famous is is being being visible doesn't mean you have to be visible everywhere. It's about being visible in the places that your ideal clients are hanging out so that it feels like you're everywhere, Mm -hmm. even though you're very strategic and intentional about where you're visible. So you're not spreading yourself thin, trying to be visible everywhere and get the maximum number of eyeballs on your content. You're focusing on being visible just in the places where your ideal clients actually care about Mm -hmm. so that you feel like you're everywhere just to them, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And really, I see that, you know, I've tried, I've learned a lot of different marketing strategies for different platforms, and some of them are just exhausting. And if people are saying this isn't going to work unless you're on your phone all the time, then I don't know what kind of life that is. But sometimes it just makes me hate my phone. I don't want to do that. So since I started podcasting, you know, building my evergreen episodes up talking about what my company does and the kind of problems my clients go through, I think I really, I really noticed, you know, something's changing here. When I got a message, um, I think it was on Instagram and somebody said, just came across your show. Can't wait to dive into all the episodes. And I said, that, that is what people want, right? For coaches and consultants and everyone, they want to say, I like your stuff. And I, I want to spend all of this listening time hearing what this person has to say about this topic. And that yeah, is exactly. How- Where else do you get that kind of time with someone? Exactly. You know, that that's one of the things that that probably both uh, both of us like about podcasting is you look at social media and and yeah, you put a post or you put even a video in front of people, you're lucky to get 3 seconds of their time. Mm-hmm. You know, Facebook counts it if they, as a view if they watch 3 seconds of your video. They don't even have to turn the sound on for that to count. I mean, you get you get basically nothing. Um podcast people are spending 30 45 minutes at a time. You know, as a consultant, you're you're lucky to get that in a pitch to yeah. a company. You know, you don't get that much time. And the fact that people can binge and really select what content they want, what they're doing is they're pushing themselves further down your sales funnel by consuming your content. If you do your podcast right, they pop out the other side of that funnel wanting to hire you. Mm-hmm. Now, there's an art and a skill to that, which is why you hire someone like Alina. But that that principle works right i mean you know there's um what was it there was there's a survey from harvard that came out a few years ago that basically said by the time somebody shows up in in b2b sales and they end up on a call with a salesperson they've already they're already 60 percent of the way down the decision making process i'd be surprised if it wasn't further by now more like 70 or 80 percent like by the time they're willing to jump on the phone with somebody and talk about making a deal they're 60 or 70% of the way toward making that decision. So if you look at your competitors and they have a lot of content for people to consume and people don't want to jump on the phone with anybody until they've 60% of the way towards making a decision, people are going to gravitate towards whoever has the most content to consume. Mm -hmm. And if you have a podcast, that gives them a lot to binge on. So you become that person that they can binge on and they get to make that decision. And by the time they end up on a call with you, they're 60% towards signing up. Exactly. That's why I say creating this kind of content, it's like investing. You're, you're investing into your content and content compounds just like money. Exactly. <laughs> Very okay. good point. I like it. So Matt, what determines then the success of a podcast to you? It's really whether it speaks and resonates deeply with the right people. And that has a lot to do with whether you can talk in a compelling way about the problem that you're solving for people 
and whether they come to look at the world the way you do, right? Mm -hmm. So there's um, one of my kind of marketing mentors said, uh, look, if you, if you describe the problem better and more accurately and more compelling than anyone else, people are going to assume you have the solution. They're going to want to buy it from you because you're the one that, that described the problem they have in such deep, compelling, emotionally arresting, interesting ways that they go, how can this person not have the solution? Like when you and I talk to our ideal clients and we put our finger right on the pain point and go, this is what you're dealing with. And they go, oh my God, nobody's ever, yes, that's exactly what I'm dealing with. Well, their natural assumption is you must have the answer, right? So when you have a podcast, to me, that's what really determines whether it takes off or not. It's not, it's not all the the tactical stuff can help and you want to get a good foundation of consistency and good quality and good quality marketing around the podcast all that that's like table stakes at the poker game whether it takes off and whether it builds like this cult following or not is how deeply it resonates with the right people so for me the 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 first decision you have to make before you really launch a podcast is who are the right people who are the listeners i want because unless you know exactly who they are you're going to struggle to come up with a show that speaks at that deep of a level to somebody and if you don't then you're just you get caught up in that sea of sameness yep yep and that's exactly what i say when i name shows I use the strategy, you can either name a show off of who your viewer wants to become or mm -hmm. what you do. I do who or what. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. And because I'm thinking if my preference is to do the who, because that is just, I feel like just sets the standard for a brand that can continue to grow for a long time. But mm -hmm. also if, if that's kind of murky for you, then go for the what and be very clear. And mm -hmm. so it's just very clear what we're going to talk about. Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, that's that's why. So the original name for Microfamous was New Media Machine, and the reason why I changed that was I was hanging out with one of my ideal clients. He's a business coach who started. He's written like twelve books, and I just he asked me what I was working on, and I told him. And I said, I'm you know this is the name or the tentative two names I'm thinking about, and he said, Well, New Media Machine sounds like something that needs to be built and and all that stuff, mm -hmm. but Microfamous is something I want to become, and that stuck in my head. I'm like, Damn it, he's right. So now I got to provide. <laughs> So, so I had to revise the book before it came out to uh, to make it micro famous, and then I built the brand around the book for the exact same reason because micro famous is what my ideal clients want to become. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the end goal. It's basically that's the vision of success that I'm selling. So I 100% agree with that. If you're not sure on that, focusing on what you do, I think clear beats clever every time. That's one of the biggest mistakes I see in podcasting and branding in general is people being clever at the expense of being clear. Yeah. Um, just be clear first. And if you can come up with a way to be clear and compelling, which is what we talk about in the book, then by all means, but it'll be, it's a lot better if you have to sacrifice everything to be clear, do that first and then figure out how to make it more interesting and compelling after you've figured out how to be clear. Yep. I agree. And that's actually when I start working with someone, that's the first filter I'll go through. And anything that just doesn't make sense, I said, get rid of it. We don't really need to be cutesy here because nobody even knows what you're doing yet. So mm -hmm. <laughs> let's exactly. focus on that. Okay. So Matt, say you've picked the right name. You have a good strategy. What kind of results can you expect from launching a, a podcast that was built with a good strategy? Well, I think if we're talking about in the world of consulting, especially consulting and coaching, business coaching, things like that, the first thing you can expect is shorter sales cycles because we, we talked about people can binge on you, they can get further down the funnel and you start showing up to sales calls and people start saying things like, hey, I listened to your podcast, uh, I, have, I have these questions 
and let's deal with these questions. And the questions are different because they've consumed enough content that they're not shallow questions. They're now deeper, further into the sales conversation type of questions. So that's one of the first things that you notice. And then that translates into shorter sales cycles. The other thing that you notice, especially if you're in the consulting world, when you put out a podcast is you'll start to, you'll reactivate conversations with people that you didn't really realize were still kind of hanging around in your world. And all of a sudden they'll pop up and it'll reactivate those conversations. You'll start to get referrals out of it. You'll start to get maybe, you know, online appearances or, or when speaking events come back, you'll start to get speaking invites and different things like that. Different opportunities arise because you're basically re you're giving people a reason to reach out and you're forgetting how many people are kind of in your orbit that they haven't had a reason to reach out to you. And a podcast kind of reminds them that you're there and gives them a reason to reach out to you. So it reactivates a lot of those conversations. So those are for the first couple of things that you'll notice, regardless of how successful your show actually is, by the way, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't matter how many downloads they get, just doing, just launching the show usually does those two things. It shortens the sales cycle and it reactivates and gives you a lot of benefits of the relationships that are activated by putting out a new show. Mm -hmm. I definitely saw that happen with a lot of my clients. They said, it just gives us a reason to be in front of them. And then when the time's right, we're right there. Yeah, so that's exactly. exactly the purpose. So how quickly can you expect to see results like this? Well, those types of results you'll see right away. If you are strategic and intentional about following up with the relationships that you make with like the people that you interview and you're really good about featuring influential people in your space who can send you referrals or that you get exposed to their audience on their podcast and you're just kind of strategic about that you'll see really good results in your podcast in the first three to six months uh, i know i did um i mean that's exactly what happens to me and, and to our clients when we're really strategic about who we're having on the show and what episodes we're doing right off the bat now i would say the best results like anything you talk about compound interest it's podcasting is very similar it builds upon itself and so 12 to 18 months is really when you start to see more sales come from the audience than from the relationships and from the people that you have on and from referrals you start to see it flip and now you've been nurturing your audience for long enough that the audience starts to pop and they go oh well now now i'm now i'm ready i've been listening to the show for six months eight months ten months mm. i'm ready to sign up now um so that's really where you start to see those compound results and you start to see more speaking invitations, more invitations to be on other podcasts rather than you having to pitch yourself to other podcasters. You have people reaching at inbound and those types of things all compound on each other. So to me, the sweet spot is around 18 months. That's how long it was for me between the time I started my podcast and when I was doing a sold out speaking session halfway across the country or whatever. Um, it like my first podcast made me an industry insider, influencer, connector, and speaker in 18 months. And if you do it right, that can happen to anyone. Matt, maybe that should have been the, the subheader of your book. <laughs> yeah, not bad. <laughs> that, that's quite compelling. Okay. So now the hot topic that everybody wants to talk about, okay. Say that I'm not patient and I don't really want to wait that long. Should I use ads and sponsorships to grow my podcast? Uh, yes, it, it depends. So I haven't seen people use a lot of paid traffic specifically to grow a podcast and be successful. I know some folks have experimented with some different things like Spotify ads, and I think there's some promise there. I'm, I might tinker around with some of that stuff, but number one, you need to be building your email list, right? That means when you're on the phone, when you're talking to people, when you're being interviewed, like whatever it is, always have a way for people to get into your email list. Cause if your email list isn't growing, Odds are your podcast isn't growing. That's mm -hmm. the bottom line. Unless you have some other source of growth, like 
like one of my clients is featured regularly on Fox Business on the on on her finance expertise. So she has an Instagram following of six hundred thousand. It's like okay, great. That's a whole other thing. Like you can't that's li- that's lightning in a bottle. You can't count on that. Um, if you don't have those sorts of things happening, obsessively focus on growing your email list. Uh, and then the second thing is um, on sponsorships. So sponsorships are a, that work long term are a another lightning in a bottle thing. But here's the criteria that I would give anyone. If you can find a company where you genuinely believe in what they're doing and they have an audience, so they have an email list, but they're bad at creating content and they have money, right? Bad at creating content, big audience, lots of money, right? That's the sweet spot. Because then you can get them into like a six to 12 month long-term arrangement where they send your podcast to their email list. You get all the benefits of the downloads, you get the cash and they get content, which they apparently can't create. Um, the one, the one situation I've seen where sponsorship worked long-term, that was the exact criteria. Almost every other time I've seen sponsorship tried, it's not worked long-term. Uh, I've had both in my own show, in my client shows, they, I've tinkered with a lot of different stuff. Uh, nothing has ever worked out long-term, right? So, and to me, all the work that you have to go through and the fact that you're sending calls to action to somebody else, that's, that's a, that should be a big thing. Like you shouldn't do that easily, you know, and like you're, you're shaking your head. So I know you know what I'm talking about. Like you should always be promoting your own stuff. If you're going to sacrifice a call to action to your own stuff to send it somewhere else, it better be someone that has a long-term relationship with you. And they're not going to turn around a month or three months later and cancel that agreement. And then, then you either have to find a new sponsor or you're back to promoting your own stuff anyway. So to me, for most of my clients, they're better off promoting their own stuff. But in very specific situations, like I mentioned, it can work and it can grow their show and they're fine. Exactly. And I recommend my clients only sell 25% of the time, really. And so if that's how much you should be selling, do you really want to give that up to someone else or sell your own stuff? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. Especially if you're talking about consultants where the average contract is six or seven figures. Imagine if you lose one. And this is where people make the mistake is they look at sponsorship as, oh, I'm just kind of offsetting the cost of the podcast. No, you're, you're potentially giving up a deal and you may never know. And that's the problem. It's the seen versus the unseen. You're, you're giving up sponsorship money that you can tangibly see and feel right now for a potential paycheck. But one lost consulting deal because you were sending your traffic elsewhere, that's six and seven figures of lost revenue. That's, to me, that's way worth keeping all my sponsorship ads for myself, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like that one's hitting home with some people and may need a marinade on that. But let, can we close out with one last question, Matt? Mm-hmm. What should I do if I already started a podcast and it's not growing? <laughs> um, you can. I would say start testing. Uh, the every, Everybody's natural compulsion will be to go bigger, right? Which is, oh, it's not taking off. Let's see if we can appeal to more people. Fight that urge and go smaller. Because what's really happening is that you're not resonating and your message isn't punching through the noise and hitting people smack in the face with a message that really, really hits home. So, so instead of thinking about more people, think about the opposite. How can I appeal to fewer people, which will allow me to stop diluting myself and it'll allow me to get more compelling with my messaging, right? If you can find and zero in on the right, clear and compelling idea for the show, it will, people will latch onto it, they will spread it and it will grow. So if it's not growing, that's what's happening. So it starts with like diagnosing the problem, going, going for a smaller potential audience rather than a bigger one, that way you can get much more clear. Uh, and then from there, as far as finding your 
your topic that you think might resonate instead of re like before you rebrand, before you relaunch, before you do any of that, just start experimenting with episodes or a series of episodes where you do dive into a much more specific topic. So I did the same thing with my show. The more that I tar start talking about marketing for introverts, I didn't rebrand the show until I'd already spent months field testing it and you know, talking about it on Facebook, talking about it behind the scenes, and then starting to do episodes of my show aimed at introverted experts. And then once I seen that that resonated, then I bumped it all the way up to where I added that to the brand on the podcast. Hmm, that's very insightful. And that is exactly the answer I was hoping we'd get to in today's show. So Matt, thank you for, for explaining that to us in that is everything that we have time for today. I know that there's so much more that we could talk about. And also everyone really should read this book, Microfamous, if you want to learn more because Matt goes into detail on all of this. But Matt, if people would like to connect with you, where can they find you? Easiest place is getmicrofamous.com because they can get a free digital copy of the book. Obviously, you can get it on Amazon if you're a physical book copy kind of person like I am. But getmicrofamous.com. Uh, and then I have a way to kind of turn uh, podcasting into strategic relationships. We talked about like maintaining connection with the people that you meet through podcasting and generating referrals off of it. Uh, if you go to getmicrofamous.com slash intro, you can, I, I can actually get my Trello board, my relationship board, a template that I use where I keep track of all my relationships and how I look for ways to introduce people to each other. And that way I add value rather than following up with a sales message of, hey, sign up with me. I follow up by making introductions to people in my network and that's how I keep track of all the people that I know so I can look for those opportunities. So you can get a copy of that Trello board at getmicrofamous.com slash intro. Well, wonderful. I wasn't even expecting that, but if Matt's created it, everyone should go get it. So Matt, <laughs> thank you again for coming on to the show. And if you are interested in talking about your content marketing strategy with me, please visit effortlessengine.com where you can apply to book a consultation. We'll help power your message into new territory. What are you waiting for? The world is waiting to join your journey.